If you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 7, God willing, uh, we'll be in verse 9, and, uh, or at least uh, get our start in verse 9 where we left off, and uh, begin our exposition in verse 10. Proverbs chapter 7, the title of the message tonight is A Description of an Adulteress, and a description of an adulteress. I may have put a description of a harlot on there, uh, but uh, uh, when I think about it after I made this, it's really more of the description of an adulteress. Uh, so uh, the official title has been changed. Uh, last week we ended our study in verse 9, where a young men went to a woman's house to commit adultery with her. He went there, Solomon said, verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Now in verse 10 tonight, Solomon tells us, and behold, there, it says, met him a woman with an, the attire, excuse me, I'm having a little trouble finding this, with the attire of an harlot. There met him a woman with the attire of an harlot. Solomon is giving us the description of an adulteress in these verses that we're studying tonight. And the first thing he says about her is that she was wearing the attire of an harlot. Underscore that, attire of a harlot. A harlot has one objective in mind. Just one. She wants your money. That's all that matters to her. So in order to get your money, she advertises what she has to sell. And the way she advertises is by her dress. That's one of the ways she advertises. By the way she dresses, she lets everybody know that she's open for business. Have you ever seen a harlot? How many of y'all have ever seen a harlot in real life? Most everybody here. They all dress that certain way to let everyone know they're open for business. And now Solomon is saying that the adulteress met this man with the attire of a harlot. She was dressed seductively, letting the man know that she was open for business. Ladies, if you don't want to be guilty of adultery, young ladies, if you want to stay pure, until marriage, then don't hang an open for business sign on your front door like this adulteress did. My wife and I were talking on the way up here, and she was looking at different uh, skirts and dresses and all, and she's, she was looking at uh, that she might be interested in. And, and uh, one of the things she wants to make sure is that they're modest. And we were discussing what they look like, and, and I'm so thankful to have a woman who wants to dress modestly, who wants to honor God in what she wears, without me having to harp on her or something. It's something that she wants to do in her own heart, with her own convictions toward God. But when you, when you dress seductively, you're telling everyone, I'm open for business. You're telling the men, hey, look here at me. 
You interested in what I've got? And even if you're not, if you, even if you, you say, well, I, I dress that way because it makes me feel good about myself. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to advertise that I'm open for business. Well, to a lot of people, that's false advertisement because you're putting those thoughts in their mind and you're creating an invitation for them to flirt with you, to hit on you, and things like that. You are. Don't give men the impression that you might be willing to participate in a sinful relationship with them. That's fair enough, isn't it? Should I give a woman an impression? Should a woman give a man an impression that they are willing to participate in an ungodly relationship? No. Temptation-wise, it is far easier to never have to turn down invitations that you don't receive than to resist the invitations that you do receive. Do you agree with that? <laughs> I mean, if a, if, a, if a beautiful woman came up to you or if a handsome man came up to you, uh, if you're a lady and asked you out, asked you to come over to his place uh, and, uh, and all, it would be harder temptation-wise to turn down the invitation that you did receive, then it would be to not have to turn down the invitations you never received. I've never been asked out like that. I've never uh, had any woman uh, uh, try to uh, create some type of an inappropriate relationship with me. Never. And the reason why I believe... Well, maybe I'm ugly. But other than that, ugly people sin too, right? Ugly people commit fornication. That can't be the only reason. But I believe it's because when I'm around women like that, I try to be all business. I try to be matter of fact, polite. But at the same time, uh, I do what I believe everyone should do. And that is we should always be politely distant with the opposite sex. I think it's a good way to put it. Be politely distant with the opposite sex. Be approachable. Be able to work with someone if you're at work if they're the opposite sex. Be able to talk to someone at church and, 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 and care for someone and hear their prayer request out and work together as a team. I'm all for that. But keep that polite distance up between you and the opposite sex. I like what this young lady did today. There was three of us on the elevator. And uh, I'm here in the corner. There's someone else in that corner. There's a young lady over here and, uh, in the middle. And uh, we're all going up to different floors. And when the gentleman on the floor, the other gentleman in the elevator, when he got off on his floor, the young lady then scooted over to her corner like that. It was so appropriate it was so appropriate. It's the right way to handle yourself. And, uh, and that's the way we should be. Uh, now, underscore in verse 10, the phrase, subtle of heart. Subtle of heart. That's what an adulteress is. She, an adulteress has the open for business sign in the way she dresses. But what's another thing about an adulteress? She is subtle of heart. Now the Hebrew word that's translated as subtle here, it means to conceal. To conceal. 
Now, if she is subtle of heart, that means her heart is concealed. It's a concealed heart. You see, to the man she's trying to catch, she puts out the open side. But to the rest of the world and to her husband, she acts like she's the ever-faithful housewife. She goes to church and acts like she's such a godly woman. But the truth is, She's running a, a side business where she's looking for a lover. She's putting on a show. That's what this woman's doing here. Subtlety of heart. That means she's putting on a show. She is concealing her true adulterous attitude with this sweet, faithful attitude on the out, uh, or appearance on the outside. Look with me now in verse 11. Solomon said... She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now the adulterous wife is a non-submissive wife. Hands down. Instead of being meek and quiet, you know, that's what the Bible says, in the sight of God is a great price, is a meek and quiet spirit. Well, instead of being meek and quiet, she's loud and stubborn, or stubborn and loud. The exact opposite of what God tells a woman to be. She's non-submissive. Instead of being meek and quiet, she's stubborn and loud. She has the attitude of, my husband's not going to tell me what to do. That's the attitude she has. You ever have a woman talk like that? She's a stubborn, loud woman. In the sight of God, it's worthless. She's loud and stubborn. You know what that means? She's not looking out for her husband's welfare. She's not committed to helping him reach or achieve his goals in life. That's not her drive. If she was, then she wouldn't be cheating on him. Right? The adulterous woman doesn't take her God-given job of caring for her home seriously. Look what it says there. It says, her feet abide not in her house. She didn't take the house seriously. She didn't take raising the kids seriously. She doesn't take cooking and cleaning and managing the, the, the household affairs seriously. She'd rather go out and gallivant around. She's always off running around somewhere. That's what this woman's doing. She wants to play. Verse 12. Now is she without. And now in the streets. And lieth in wait at every corner. Look at the description here. Instead of being home taking care of her business, she was out on the hunt for a new exciting man in her life. Solomon said she lies in wait. At every corner. The Hebrew word that's translated lieth in wait here, it means to lurk. To lurk. And basically, she had a beautiful public face with an ugly hidden agenda. She's lurking out in the public, a beautiful public face with an ugly hidden agenda. Maybe the man she wanted was someone at work. I don't know. We just know she's out of the house and she's in trouble. Maybe he was someone at the local gym where she went to work out at. Whoever it was, 
she was lurking for him, continuing to appear like the faithful wife while secretly flirting with this fellow. And it worked. Solomon said in verse 13, so she caught him. She got her man. How about that? She caught him. It worked. And kissed him. And she made her move. And with an impudent face said unto him. <laughs> so she snags this guy. She makes her move. She finally catches him. She puts her moves on him. She lays one on him. She puts her arms around him. Speaks sweetly to him. Kisses him. With an impudent face. I love the description Solomon's giving here. The word impudent means to not show the proper respect for someone that's, that they deserve. That's the kind of face she had. A face that did not show the proper respect that someone deserves. When this married woman kissed this man, she had a complete disregard for that man's wife. She did not show that man's wife the proper respect that she deserved. When this man uh, was kissed by this woman, she had a complete disregard for her own husband. She did not show him the respect that he deserved as a man and as her husband, as the provider for her house. When she kissed this man... She had complete disregard for him because she did not uh, care what this adulterous relationship that she was going to have with him might do to his family, to his children, and to him. An impudent face. Do you know what that means? An impudent face means the only person she was thinking about was herself. That's what it means. An adulterous woman is a selfish woman. An adulterous man is a selfish man. We've seen relationships that form from adultery. Someone will run off and leave their husband or wife run off with some other person in an adulterous relationship and end up taking their poor children and stick them in, sticking them in this relationship where they got to choose between mom or dad or they got to go here this many days and this many days over here. Do you know what that woman and man's thinking about? Themselves. I couldn't do that to my children. Themselves. Who said no? I like that. Good for you, Hannah. She's always backing me up. I, I couldn't do that. That's an impudent face. That's the description of an adulteress. She puts the sign out there that she's open for business, but she conceals it publicly. She has a beautiful public face, a dirty, hidden agenda. agenda. It's impudent. The impudent face that she has. The whole while she's acting while she catches and kisses him and acting like, I love you so much. The truth is, she's really saying on the inside, I don't care about you at all. 
or your wife or your children or my husband or my children. All I care about is me at the time. And if you ever get to where you can't meet my needs, I'm done with you too. That's really what she is. She has an impudent face. Now watch this in verse 14. Look what she tells this man after she catches him and kisses him. Now she hasn't got him out to the house yet. He meets her at the house. But before he gets to her house, all this other stuff took place in the past. This is what led up to him getting to her house. This is what led up to the, uh, the, the full-blown adultery. She catches him. She's lurking for him. She kisses him. Now look what she tells him. Verse 14. I have peace offerings with me. What? Have you all ever heard of a peace offering before? Do you know where you heard it at? Someone tell me where you heard it at. You heard it in the Bible, didn't you? You heard it in the Bible. You didn't hear it in dating one-on-one. You heard it in the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. So what's this woman doing? She is trying to drag religion in on her adulterous relationship. She doesn't kiss him and say, come commit a fornication with me. Come, let's sin against the Lord our God. She doesn't do that. She kisses him and says, I have peace offerings with me. Look back, what else it says. She says, I've paid my vows. Look, look back, let me read, the, read it word for word. Well, there it is. I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Where'd you hear of vows? In the Old Testament Scriptures. Peace offerings. A peace offering was something that a person offered in thanksgiving to God. It wasn't like a sin offering. We said, well, I committed this sin. I'm going to do this right here. No, it was a peace offering. It was an offering of celebration. A person offers in thanksgiving to God and praise and worship to God. I have peace offerings with me. I thank God for you. That's what she's basically saying. And after they offered that peace offering, a portion of that peace offering that was offered was to be eaten by that person that offered it the same day. So it's like her saying, I have given thanks to God today and offered a peace offering. Come over to my house and have supper with me. We'll enjoy the peace offering together. We can give thanks together to God for this relationship. You see what she's doing? She's dragging God in on her sin. Do you see how deceptive sin can be? It's like she's thanking God for her new boyfriend. And wants him to come give thanks together with her. It's like she's saying, I've been, I've been praying for a man like you for so long. Can you hear a woman saying that? An adulterous woman saying that? Yeah, she's married, but you know, she's been verbally and emotionally abused. Oh, I'm so sick. Get, get over it. Man, I tell you what, I've been so verbally and emotionally abused, they ought to write a song about it. 
You ever been verbally and emotionally abused, Brother Shepherd? I figured you have. Let me just look at her. Now, I mean, not just that, but at work and everything. Man, life's tough, isn't it? And I'm not saying that men should talk bad to women or men, women should talk bad to men. But you know what? This is life. And you can't just throw down and say, well, he doesn't treat me good, so I'm going to run off on him. And everyone shows sympathy and say, he was very abusive toward her. Very emotionally and verbally abusive. Get over it. But it's like she's saying that. She's saying, I've been, I've been praying for a man like you for so long. And I really feel that us meeting each other like this is an answer to my prayer. Don't you feel that way too? I really do. I really do. And so what they do? Just dragging God in on their sin. And just glossing God over their ugly sin. God's finally answered my prayer to give me you. Religious people always want to drag God into their sinful relationships. Ladies, rest assured. God will never bless you by giving you another woman's husband. You got that? Men, rest assured. God will never bless you by giving you another man's wife. That didn't come from God. God doesn't give things like that to people. Here's a kingdom truth. If God's word condemns your plans, then you can't thank God for letting you carry them out. And we'll say that again. If God's word, if the Bible, the scripture condemns your plans, if it says, no, this is wrong then you can't give thanks to God for letting you be able to carry them out. God will let you carry out your sinful plans. Remember Adam and Eve? God's word said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We always go back to Genesis, don't we? Because that is the most simple, basic thing we can always go back to. God says, don't eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God condemned their plans. They, she looked, she saw the fruit, she thought, maybe I should eat this, take it to Adam and have him eat it too. God's word condemned those plans, but God did not stop them from carrying them out. God gave them the physical ability to walk over there, grab that tree, make the mental decision to do so, eat from that fruit that was forbidden and give to her husband and him eat as well. And they can't say, well, I could just hear Adam and Eve do like, like a lot of men and women do today. You know what a lot of men and women do today? They'll say, well, you know what? I've been really attractive to uh, Susan over here at work. And my wife, she's been neglecting me. And, you know, she don't cook and clean and things like that. And our relationship's been on the rocks for years. But Susan seems to be the type of woman that could really meet my needs. You know what I'm going to do? I, I, as a Christian, I'm just going to pray about this. Oh, Lord, you know that I'm attracted to Susan. And you know I, I don't want to do anything that's not your will. God, if it's your will, let this relationship work out between us. And if it's not your will, I just pray, Lord, you'll just not let it work out. Can you hear someone, just picture someone praying something like that? I can. 
And then they, they, they go, and God's word says, thou shalt not commit adultery. His word condemns his plan. But he prays, Lord, if it's not your will, just don't let it work out. He goes over there. He puts the moves on old Susan. Oh, Susan's got the open for business sign. The two of them meet together. And next thing you know, they're the people at the door at Solomon's scriptures here in chapter 7. And they say, you know what? We prayed about this. Well, I did too. Well, this is working out. We just thank God for this. God apparently let this work out in our lives. Lord, we just thank you tonight for Susan. And we thank you for Jim or whatever. It doesn't work like that. That's not how God's word works. If God's word condemns your plans, you can't thank Him for allowing you to carry them out. She said, I've paid my vows today. Do you know what she's saying? She said, I've paid my vows today. She's saying, I'm all caught up on my religious obligations. Man, me and God, we're all caught up together. I'm walking in fellowship with God. Religious sinners always attempt to sanctify their sin. Never use God to justify your disobedience to Him. She said, I thank God for you. He answered my prayers for you, verse 15. Therefore came I forth to meet thee. That's why I'm coming to you. God's answered my prayers. I've been all caught up religious-wise, and I just know God's worked this out. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. This has to be of God. Look, I, I found you. I, 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 I had my peace offerings. I paid my vows, and, and, and now here you are. I prayed for you. I looked for you. I found you. God must have been in this. That's not the way to think, folks. That's the way religious sinners think. They will pray, God, if it's not your will, don't let this relationship work out. And then when it does work out, they think, well, I prayed about it. It must have been God. No, you never pray about whether or not it's right to sin. I'll repeat that again. Never pray about whether or not it was right for you to sin. He said, well now, Brother Richard, in certain, certain situations, it may be right to, to technically disobey God's Word. No, in no situation is it right to disobey God's Word. The, only, the difference is, in some situations, it's, it may be harder for you to obey God's Word less convenient for you to obey God's Word, but it is always right for you to disobey God's Word, and in every circumstance is always wrong for you to disobey it. Never pray about it. Here's something you can mark down. Prayer doesn't approve disobedience. I think most people here are guilty of this at some time in their life where we pray and we say, well, I felt peace about it. And then we did what, we, what the Bible says is wrong. Prayer never approves disobedience. Never pray about what God has clearly stated in His Word. That's a good kingdom truth for you. Never pray about what God has clearly stated in His Word. If the Bible says it, 
It's not time to pray. It's time to obey. We'll repeat that one more time. We're going to close. If the Bible says it, it's not time to pray. It's time to obey. With that, we'll go ahead and close tonight. I just love how Solomon describes this adulterous woman as a religious woman. Father, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, again for being so detailed, so poignant, so clear to us, Lord, and just telling us exactly the way things are, how we get things so twisted around in our minds, Lord, how we use you to justify our sin. And somehow, Lord, in our minds, we, we, we tend to think, well, I've prayed about it, and, and, and me and God have this worked out. We've worked this out. We have an understanding. And, and Lord, I just thank you tonight, dear Lord God. I pray we'll never use our religion as a cloak of righteousness to cover up, Lord, our disobedience. But we will use your word that, to prick our hearts, to turn us, Father, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, and to walk in all pleasing of your will. Keep us, Lord, I pray from inappropriate relationships, both in word, thought, and deed. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.